What nevertheless I find interesting is that today the changes in work modality due to, to the pandemic crisis, like for example remote work, has created, not to say forced, the conditions for empowerment. This is the Leadership 480 Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Leadership 480 Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Alms. And today we're going to talk about how to empower your team and some of the biggest risks that get in the way, especially micromanaging. My guest is Lawrence Pintana, who is a leadership expert in DDI's Paris office. Lawrence has more than 30 years helping companies build strong, capable leaders and has been a coach for countless individual leaders over the years. Lawrence, thank you for joining us today. Well, that's a pleasure, Beth. Thank you for inviting me. So empowerment isn't really a new concept. We've been talking about this for a long time, but I think what is different is how it looks as jobs, workplaces and demands change on workers. So what do you think empowerment looks like today? Hmm. Yeah, you know, Beth, I remember when I first heard about the concept of empowerment in the early 90s, and I informally collected some managers' reaction from different industries. They said, so it's like letting loose horses? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So a bit of fear that it would mean a complete freedom for employees and therefore less control. Actually, their first visceral reaction gave me an instant insight of what empowerment was touching on, the notion of power to make decisions and act. So actually, I think at that time it meant, at least for TDI point of view, and uh, and, uh, I subscribe to that very much, it was more like for the organization or the managers to define the what and let the initiative to employees to figure out the how's if, of course, they were sufficiently equipped with the right knowledge and skills. So organization around the world has since then more or less adopted this management style, depending on their leadership culture and their belief about what would really help them to overcome business challenges and customer needs. So for sure, as you said, Beth, um, empowerment is not a new concept but it's far to be a reality in all the organization that would benefit from from it. Um, So what nevertheless I find interesting is that today the changes in work modality due to, to the pandemic crisis, like for example, remote work, has created, not to say forced, the conditions for empowerment. And actually when you look at the three arenas for empowerment, Um, where empowerment need to be brought to to life, which means leadership, job design, and organization systems and environment, I think that leadership is certainly the one that has the greatest impact on empowerment. So how does empowerment look like today? Well, maybe looking into the mirror of the status of leadership skills globally can help answering this question. And DDI uh, has performed about 400,000 leaders assessment over 50 years. So our data show that among the skills that represent the more frequent gaps are still delegation, coaching and developing others, and involving others in decision making. 
So let's talk about those skills a little bit more. Um, what really are the skills that leaders need that help them empower their teams? Um, well, it, it depends, of course, on the diagnostic of their individual skills gap. But based on my experience in providing uh, feedback and coaching to leaders, supplemented by DDI researchers, I would say that the following behaviors are key to foster empowerment. So, for example, let it go, delegate <laughs> in order to positively challenge people and give them the means to develop and grow. Another one would be clearly articulate performance expectation and monitor progress. Or, of course, share decision-making authority. It's not only delegating tasks, it's delegating the um, authority that goes with it. Um, encourage ideas and initiative. I think it's uh, very important uh, as well. And something also that is very powerful to build trust, which is communicate openly, share, sharing thoughts, your rational, why you, you think, what you say, and if appropriate feelings. Um, I said something around having the right skills and knowledge. So what goes with that is to proactively coach to ensure the success of your team members. So it's not only post experience coaching, but beforehand so that people feel confident to take initiative, initiative and perform. And this confidence uh, is very important if you want to see empowerment happening. And um, last but not least, I would say um, allow employing to fail forward, which means to be tolerant to experimentation and potential mistake. The key, the key of empowerment, the art of empowerment to me is also to generate trust. So for a leader, it means to take any interaction opportunity to gener generate not only um, the trust to the other person, but also that the person trusts you. So this is so important as people need to be ensured that they won't be penalized if they make mistakes when taking initiative. I think that's such an important point um, as you talk about failing forward is uh, you know, a lot of people want to be able to do that, and we see a lot that that's really hard for a manager to let your employee, like, you don't want to let your employees fail. What happens if your team member fails? Um, so that's just one of the things, you know, the leaders fear that my, that their employees will fail, and that kind of stands in the way and makes them uh, fearful of empowerment. What other kinds of things stand in the way of managers empowering their teams? Well, I think that there is an obvious one, which is micromanaging. Uh, it's mm -hmm. one of the big uh, culprits. Uh, and we can talk more about it uh, through this conversation, if you will, later on, uh, because I think it's an important one to focus on if we really want to understand what's come in the way of empowerment. But other, um, other uh, things could be like uh, inconsistent behaviors, um, like encouraging initiative, but at the same time reprimanding the employee when they, the employees when they do mistake. So <laughs> quite confusing. Um, and what about the thirst of power of certain leaders? 
and the lack of awareness of it uh, to the extent that it could be counterproductive. So for these leaders, sharing responsibilities is just too problematic. And sometimes certain employees themselves, we, we don't think so often uh, with, with that angle. Um, and their past experience uh, can be part of a barrier to empowerment. For example, uh, prolonged exposure to an autocratic leadership style, as in certain cultures, can make it harder for them to believe that empowering leader exists for real. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, don't have any hidden agendas. So it could be also a lack of motivation to be empowered. Um, and it's not a judgment, it's, uh, the way it is uh, sometimes, as uh, some people look for safety at work more than taking initiative and, uh, and uh, ownership. So, um, but they also can uh, change their mind and their behavior <laughs> if they are confronted to empowering leaders, um, authentic ones. I do want to dive a little bit deeper into that concept of micromanaging. It's one of those things that I think right now is sort of one of the big sins of leadership. Everybody hates a micromanager, and yet it's one of the first things, one of those first traps most first-time leaders fall into the moment they get promoted. Um, So do you think a lot of people realize that they're micromanaging, or do they have like a wake up call when suddenly they're like, oh my gosh, that is me. I'm a micromanager. (laughs) Yeah. So I I guess the question is why people tend to micromanage. Um, So I have done hundreds of feedback um, to leaders from different cultures based on assessment data as well as coachings. Um, So based on that, I don't think it's international in most of the cases. Um, Nobody wakes up in the morning saying, hey, today I'm going to micromanage. Uh, Most of the time, they don't realize they are drifting towards micromanaging behaviors. Or they can see some negative impact, like losing people, productivity and credibility, but without necessarily making the uh, causal link uh, with their tendency to micromanage. So in any case, they don't really uh, know how to behave differently when they acknowledge that there is something wrong. So the most, to me, the most powerful but um, painful wake-up call I have observed um, was the, an impact on the health of these leaders um, or when the body start to say, stop, it's too much, too much workload or too many worries uh, on, on their shoulders and their back. Uh, sounds uh, familiar to someone's, uh, some people, I, I guess. So fortunately, there, there are all other means to avoid such extreme situations to accelerate the awareness of such leaders, like, for example, providing them with the opportunity to experiment in a safe way the future of their role uh, requirements and to visualize or even feel the negative impact of their micromanaging tendency on individual and team performance. So here I'm um, I'm talking just for our um, people who are listening to us uh, might be familiar with that. I'm talking about the business simulations like uh, one day in a life of a leader of the future and uh, the debrief of such experience uh, completed by, with um, personality inventories uh, that look at enablers and derailers um, is very, very powerful, not only for self-awareness, but also as a basis for coaching on alternative successful um, behaviors. 
You know, I think that is such an interesting idea, especially your con- the concept that so often it's not going to be your team who tells you. They might, but it's going to be your own self as the leader thinking, you know, I can't possibly do the work of five people. You're not meant to. So once you start to get overwhelmed um, by all of that, that's really a great sign to say that you're, you're doing too much. You're not letting your team do their jobs as they're supposed to. If you're the one who's taking on five people's workload, this is not sustainable. Um, and I'm, exactly. I'm really wondering as we're now shifting to um, so many people are working remotely. I'm wondering how you're seeing things change related to empowerment and micromanagement, especially when everybody's, you know, out of sight. I can't see if people are working at home. Are they focused on things? Are they distracted by the kids? So do you feel like remote work is making things better or worse? Hmm. Beth, thank you for asking the questions. This is a very current and timely question. So as we all know, accountability, ownership and trust are in the art of empowerment. And when I look at what's going on in the world today, I think that dealing with the extent of consequences of health and economic uh, crisis will really require that everyone not only feels concerned about it, but also develop a stronger sense of accountability and initiative at his or her level, on level of you know, obviously, but yeah, to, to really actively participate in problem solving. Um, and when I look at the world of business, I have recently heard very concrete uh, issues expressed from both HR and business leaders, such as how do you generate autonomy and collaboration within a remote workforce, of course, without micromanaging, mm-hmm. or how to build trust within um, their own team and with other remote teams or even how to develop a caring culture and motivate teams remotely. Well, it could could be that empowerment is one of the key underlying levers um, to answer this question. So I was able to to observe across different organizations that working from home office for some people has had many advantages among which freedom, Uh, I think that freedom is in the art of many things <laughs> today. So freedom to organize themselves, for example, and manage their time as they want. Freedom to take the time to think, to step back, to think, and be more creative in solving, solving problems. Or freedom to take uh, to have uh, to take public transportation to go to the office. Or freedom to recycle time uh, from commuting time to professional and personal activities, etc., etc. So, and this freedom, if well managed and supported by a strong sense uh, of collective sense and uh, of purpose and individual accountability has led to more productivity and greater initiatives and achievement these last months. So, um, the positive outcome that certain organizations benefit from in this context uh, of subjectively perceived freedom, I think, merit to be cultivated in um, cultivated in the next months to come. So, and other things I heard 
um, that some employees were also very happy with the fact that they don't have to show up every morning in an office and to have to be physically present next to their manager sometime, mm-hmm. as the relationship before COVID was not um, of the most positive one. So, of course, there are also employees who can and prefer working on site. But already today, um, and I think still tomorrow, there will be a mix of remote uh, and on-site teams. So, short, uh, long story short, to answer your question, I would say it is not making better or worse. It just gives opportunities to leaders to adapt their behaviors, and especially if they have a tendency to micromanage. And these micromanaging leaders can sometimes worry, as you know, um, about being disconnected. So even more um, when part uh, of their teams and themselves are working from home. There is certainly a pressure to perform through their team um, that they can't see uh, as as spontaneously as before. So it's not an easy thing. And they can really easily derail. So Mm -hmm. this pressure on their shoulder again. So, but the reality is that uh, over-controlling is not possible anymore and it's not efficient for keeping engaged a remote workforce. At the same time, uh, these leaders might not be willing to take risks to try another approach uh, they can't control. So remote work is certainly a challenge for them, but at the same time, an excellent opportunity to grow as leaders. Uh, So the mix of remote and on-site workers in their teams is here to stay in the near future. And if they, they want to continue performing, they are better to experiment and reconsider their own way to interact with their team. So what to do, for example, clearly articulate their expectations, check for understanding, and hold their team member accountable for the outcome, not for every detail. So opportunity to coach on the house upon the needs. And if they're still tempted to control, um, which might happen, uh, <laughs> reconsider coaching and feedback as moments to still be connected with their employees and make um, think and, and make things about the best way to perform. So you know, you know, Lawrence, as you as you're talking here, one of the things that's striking me is um, I'm wondering how, especially this might be playing out for younger workers in the workforce today. So Gen Z is just getting its start. Um, you know, folks in their early 20s who are starting work in what has now become a very weird work world um, <laughs> as we cope with this pandemic. But, you know, what I've seen with a lot of really young people coming into the workforce is um, on the one hand, these are, I mean, they called millennials the digital natives, but this Gen Z is even more so super comfortable working remotely, super comfortable with empowerment and and working digitally. Great. On the flip side of that, um, they do need a lot of feedback. They're new to the workforce, and especially if they're working remotely, they're not surrounded by colleagues where you can naturally often observe and just pick up what everybody else is doing, which is so much how you learn as you're getting into the workplace. So how have you seen these generational issues play out um, and how people are reacting differently to empowerment uh, as they're working with these younger workers. Mm. 
Yes, so you said something um, very important, which is, yes, the need for feedback. Tell mm -hmm. me how am I doing even more remotely? So um, when I started deep, dig deeper into this uh, topic, uh, I was able to see that research show that empowering leadership has a stronger positive influence on the day-to-day performance of employees who have less experience in the organization compared to employees who had been in their job for uh, longer. In other words, empowering leaders seek to, to see greater improvements on job performance among less experienced employees. So that's that might be Gen Z, for example, uh, comparing to more experienced employees. I don't want to make any generalizations um, as there are, of course, individual differences, but I do believe that Gen uh, Z people tend to be motivated by having a direct impact on their work and on their environment through their actions or projects. Uh, so meaning being involved in decision, being ensure that decisions won't be slowed down because of a, a heavy hierarchical structure. And of course, continuously develop their knowledge and skills to be able to grow. So with remote work, I observe that um, if Gen Z, uh, Z, sorry, <laughs> that's my French <laughs> accent, sorry, <laughs> uh, appreciated uh, freedom as any other employees, they nevertheless appreciated to be in touch more frequently with their managers. Uh, and not to be let on their own so much. So not being micromanaged, of course, but asking for more frequent human touch. Um, so to, to benefit from guidance and coaching and also social moments in, are important. So one of the best practices I've seen recently um, is for example, to plan a series of informal meetings. And I'm saying, informal meetings because with Zoom and, and other uh, remote um, communication channel, um, everything is really structured, planned, etc. in advance, mm -hmm. so people are lacking informal moments. So a series of informal meetings in respective calendars just to make sure that space, even remote space and time are secured and the employee decides to use it or not, depending on needs, and knows his or her leader will make the time. So the same applies with the team. Through these informal moment settings, the leader explicitly sends the following message to his or her team. This time is booked for you. I will be actively present for you. Use it upon your needs. I trust you. So, this is what I think that the Gen Z um, would need and the impact of remote work and the link with empowerment. Oh, that's such great advice. And I think, you know, that, that need for feedback um, is so important, especially as we're not seeing each other. We don't even see always, you know, you don't see each other's facial expressions or those tiny moments. Feedback is just becoming so critical. Um, and I think especially, as you mentioned, the feedback to show how people are making an impact, to say, listen, this is where your work, um, you know, where, where you took this initiative and here's how it's playing out and all of that, that's such, that really does empower people. Um, and it brings me to my, my last question. It's a final question we ask everyone on the show. Uh, can you share a moment of leadership that had an impact on you and your life for better or for worse, something that really stuck with you? 
Oh, yes, I think <laughs> it stick to me um, still today. So I had the great opportunity to participate in recruiting the workforce and leaders for a plant startup a couple of years ago. And I asked uh, the time um, to the plant manager of this automobile organization if I could attend his opening speech during an induction uh, training um, he was uh, doing for new employees. By the way, the, the ones I contributed to, to recruit. So uh, I was starting my career at DDI, so a young consultant, and he was already a young executive. So not only he accepted, but he also asked me to provide him with feedback on the way he would have performed his speech. So, well, I felt in charge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what he did at this time is to empower me, really, in providing him, him with feedback, trusting me, um, and giving me the chance to apply my observation and feedback skills. And frankly, I would have never dared to ask him proactively to do so at that time. Um, that was the first time I, I saw an executive proactively asking for feedback, furthermore, to a young lady uh, at, mm -hmm. at that time. So he was in advance on his time, um, I'm sure. So he's now, by the way, the number two of this uh, multinational mobility organizational leader mm -hmm. on its market. Oh, that is such a powerful story, I think, on so many levels. One, um, the the humble nature of, of people who are who are really successful in, in climbing um, the corporate ladder. And also, I think more importantly, that uh, empowerment isn't just always about getting feedback or giving feedback and helping people um, know where they're doing well or need to adjust, but also just the, the power of asking for feedback and letting people know that their opinions, their thoughts, their feelings, they all matter just as equally as anyone else's. Um, that's a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing. Well, th thanks, uh, Beth, for um, for letting me, um, for giving me the opportunity to tell this story because actually it makes me want to build on it, especially with your last comment, and build <laughs> on it uh, and to start a new post about the extra power of feedback. <laughs> thank you. This has been such a great conversation today, Lorenz. And thank you to all of our listeners who spent part of their 480 with us today. I'm Beth Alms, reminding all of you to make every moment of leadership count. <laughs>